can get started whenever. Okay, sounds good. I'm Akib. I'm the founder of Lightpong. Um, and I've been working on this project for the past couple of years. I'm sorry. I've been working on Lightpong for the past year almost. Um, and before this, I had another company called Midwest Immersive, which is the parent company of Lightpong. And that was an immersive design company that we've been doing for the past, uh, since 2017. You want to go, Elliot? Sure. I'm Elliot. I am the technical project manager for Lightpong. And I met Akib about a year ago, or I guess it would be a little bit more like two years, actually, which is kind of crazy. Um, we met through a mutual friend and uh, over drinks, Akib said, hey, we're doing this project for Adidas. Can you make like this, this piece of this larger piece of equipment? And uh, COVID hit and the you know priorities changed and Akib reached out and he said, hey, can you, can you build me this? Can you build like this product? Um, and then one year later, here we are. Yeah, Elliot's like this very makery type of person. Like, if right. you tell Elliot, here is like fifty pieces of electronics, make something, he'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And then uh, Matthew, if you don't sure, mind. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Matt, and I run all of our social media. And I do a bunch of other marketing slash media related stuff. And I've known Akib since 2017 when I was doing all types of other random things. And uh, I've, I've worked for other people and then gone back to work for Akib on and off for various reasons. And now the reason is just because I really do want to continue working on this company for now. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying what we're doing so far. It's awesome. And I see it, I see it going uh, very well. So I'm excited to stay along for the ride. Yeah. Awesome. And Matt, he like does a lot of different things. Of course, he's like kind of this generalist in many ways, but a lot of his skill set kind of focuses in the marketing realm and he's really good at, you know, social media, marketing and community related stuff. He loves engaging with people and that's kind of how we ended up meeting you. Great. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, Aka, what is what was the inspiration behind this? Like what uh, drove you to creating this? Uh, actually, Lightpong is uh, was a project that was created by a friend of mine, right, originally. And in, when he created it, there was just like this one game. So we wanted to continue pursuing it. And I saw this and I was like, this is an awesome idea. And we should kind of bring this to life at large scale. So decided to actually go ahead and like purchase all of the IP around it, uh, around the initial concept and then build on it. So the initial concept was just like the light tennis game. Uh, but now what we've done is we've turned this into like a game console and a game system that many people can actually uh, build on top of. So if you were a developer, you'd be able to build your own games on Lightpong. Um, additionally, there's going to be an app that goes with it. You can use it for ambient lighting. You can, there's a whole lot of other use cases around it as well that we've explored since the initial concept. How do you structure who you want to have on the team? You know, Elliot mentioned you reached out to him and, and same with Matthew, but how do you figure out who you want to bring along? Um, uh, there's a few different answers to this question. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of them is need-based, right? It's like, well, what do we need at this point in time to get to the next step? And then the next question that you ask yourself is like, okay, we have a problem. The problem is we need someone to do social media, for instance, or we need someone to build a prototype. And then the next question you ask is, well, first, do I know anybody who can do this for me? 
And that's a big part of it. It's like, if you don't have the community or if you don't have the people, you don't have the network, oftentimes you're stuck doing it yourself, which is a challenge within itself, right? So I think networking and knowing people and knowing people that can do different things is a large part of the entrepreneurial journey because you have to have people that can come together and solve problems for the, the, the company. Uh, but then beyond that, if you have the luxury of knowing many people, then the next question is like, well, who are the best people that I can possibly get? <laughs> you mm. know? And so through my journey as an entrepreneur, I've been in the entrepreneurship space since 2013, since I first graduated from college, right? And a large part of what I've been doing is just to, for lack of a better term, collecting cool and interesting people and uh, remembering what they do and how they do it so that when there is a need, we can actually get them together to work on that project. So I feel like right now with Lightpong, I'm in a spot where like I have the luxury of getting the best people for the project. And that's just come after like being in the space for a decade and networking for a decade. And then honestly, like making mistakes on a lot of people for a decade, you know? Right. It's kind of random. Like I met Akib through a random event that he was hosting, but the fact that he was out there hosting this event to bring together like-minded people, I, I'm sure I'm sure that helped. But then our CTO, Graham, uh, Akib decided to take the initiative to uh, do a presentation to a group of Nepal college students, which is a, a college in Chicago, and just like talk about the work we're doing for, you know, their like student college day thing. And Graham happened to be there and his questions and what he asked us was really intriguing. And Akib and I were both like, I'm like 18 years old, Graham's like 19 or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, oh, that guy's interesting. Akib's like, hmm, yeah, yeah, let's talk to him. So it's just, it's kind of random also how you find people. It's like meeting right. new friends, yeah. Just yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> before we dive deeper into that part of the process, I do want to just provide the audience with some, you know, basic understanding of what the product is. So if you guys don't mind doing that. Yeah, Matt, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Just like a general overview of what Lightpong is. Yeah. So the way I explain it when I go up to random people at events, because I'm trying to collect all this content, right? And uh, I give it, they're like, what is this? What the heck is this? And I, t- I tell them, this is a gaming device designed to play a bunch of simple games. So you see this one button right here? Because it only has one button on e- each side. All different kinds of possible games that you can come up with, you that you can only play using a single button. It, at least and for, and for those who haven't seen it, it's just a single five and a half foot long tube of light with two buttons on either end. And you use the buttons to control the lights. So that's like the most simple, basic explanation. And on this, we are treating it like a one-dimensional game system. So it's everything happens in one strip of light, just one single line of light, one dimension. And it's crazy because it sounds so simple, but we've been able to do so much with it. Talk about what you've been able to do, actually. Um, Because it does sound simple and, you know, initial glance it's, it's hard to visualize what the possibilities are. So if you want to touch on that real quick as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we are launching the Kickstarter in uh, like less than a week, about six days from now. So you'll be able to see all of this documented. But with Lightpong, we're able to, you know, um, of course, the main game that has gone viral many times on, I think we have more than about 21 million views, 20,000 uh, followers and stuff. So this has all happened in the past three months. The main thing about it is like this light tennis game so it's just 
click, 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 and you just have to hit this ball back and forth, right? Beyond that, we're building more games. So one of the other ideas for games is a tug of war, right? Where you both start off with different colors halfway through, and the faster you click, the more your light can take over. No, also, takes over I mean, button time. mash battle. You just as fast as you can, and whoever does that faster wins. It's like simple, but but interesting how much ideas you can come up with from such a simple game uh land gaming landscape i don't i can't find the right word and a lot of the games that we're building are inspired by classic arcade games right mm-hmm. so for example another game is called cyclone where you uh have this uh, object that's just constantly moving and you have to stop it in a specific spot in a specific region of the tube and if you get it you get on to the next round and continue uh, another game that we're building is called Rev and Release, where you have to like press and hold, charge it up, and then shoot it into a specific area. Gotcha. So there's all these like classic arcade-inspired games. So this is not something that we actively are broadcasting anywhere, but it is very much like a portable arcade uh, that people can just uh, play at parties. And it's bright, it's portable, it's a, it's extremely like eye-catching. Uh, whether you're a six or sixty, you can all participate. Elliot, how would you describe Life on? <laughs> interesting it's a it's a game console at heart but it's it's able to be so much more because of its form factor so when you see it the first thing you notice is it's beautiful glowing tube which is basically what lipong is um the creative decision i guess was to take that piece of tech and make it gaming centered um and that's kind of the magic of the product is that when you see this beautiful thing um and lipong can use its beautiful tube for other uses you can leave it out and it'll show pretty colors in your room um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. there's something about it that just makes it scream fun when you pick it up you can being able to interact with the light is just like it's so, like so primal like it's really really fun um <laughs> it also and Akib was kind of getting to this is that it's simple like it's really easy to understand and use the control scheme is really like couldn't be any less complicated and the lights are, are so clean that it has this air of um, almost retroness to it. And yeah. we've really inspired a lot of our games that we're releasing on the product based on kind of that vision of the thing. Um, but Lightpong is also a platform. It's very restrictive because it only has a couple of buttons and because it only has a tube of light. But Lightpong is, has a, a, its own ecosystem and its own kind of app store where anyone can develop products for Lightpong. So even though we've kind of created a lot of the content for Lightpong inspired by how we feel about it, which is as this kind of neo-futuristic, like retro device, um, anyone can pick it up and make any kind of application for it. And it's kind of like, however, whatever you can, based on the limitations that the product has, it's kind of up to developers to use those restrictions to inspire creativity. Mm -hmm. How do you power it? Battery operated battery operated okay yeah, yeah so if you want to have it as a background light you just gotta, exactly. like is there exactly. an on button on it as well or is it's it on button, always it's on off button uh it's app controlled so you can kind of change uh what we call ambient mode so let's say you wanted to use it as a background light because you're like this youtube live streamer or twitch live streamer so you can do that and it's just gonna have these different uh winamp style visualization right 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 <laughs> so if you can date me for a second you know <laughs> that's really cool um well let's talk about some of the challenges because i'm sure you guys have had some if i had to imagine maybe not but anything come to mind in terms of <laughs> the initial sort of 
you know, stage where you're thinking about putting this uh, or making this product a reality? What were some challenges? Um, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of all the different challenges, right? I think, um, like, I say this because every, what we're trying to do, I think, and I say this for everybody on the team, it's that every day and we wake up and we like are basically fighting fire and trying to see like, what are we going yeah, to I say the challenge is that we haven't actually succeeded yet. Like technically, like it's gone very far, but the right. Kickstarter launches and then who knows what's going to happen. Right. So that's the challenge. It's very uncertain. I guess we think about it as, as in sprint, as in sprints, right? So the big challenge in this particular sprint that's lasted like the past eight, nine months has been the Kickstarter campaign, which is going to launch in uh, next Tuesday now on the 28th. So this is one big challenge. And amongst those, there's a lot, a lot of different challenges. And that includes like, you know, manufacturing, how are we going to solve that problem? Design, how are we going to solve that problem? App development, prototyping, engineering. So every single person is obviously like very, very hard at work. We have a team of about eight people so far trying to solve these problems to get us past this hurdle of the Kickstarter and convince the Kickstarter audience to fund us so we can get to the next set of challenges. Right. And the reason I ask that is because, in my opinion, it's important to just share the journey like we were speaking about before the recording, um, just to paint somewhat of an accurate picture into what it really takes to create a product and to run a company as opposed to the perceived sort of understanding of what it means to be an entrepreneur, let's say, or what it means to design something based on just, you know, surface level shit on the, on the internet. So if any like micro sort of sort of a micro version of a challenge that comes to mind or, or an instance that you think could be valuable to the listener. Um, I mean, let's say funding has been a big challenge, right? Um, so uh, as I mentioned, some of us started working on this previous company called Midwest Immersive. So Midwest Immersive was a self-sustaining operation. And we uh, initially, we, I initially used a lot of the funds from Midwest Immersive to fund Lightbomb, right? So I was funneling all the capital from Midwest Immersive. Let's work on this and build it, right? But now we're at a point where like, I'm entirely funding this operation off. But we do have investors, right? But to an extent, even investors are limited. So finding investment is it's, it's like it's a job in its own. Um, and also finding investors at the right valuation, it's entirely complicated, right? So like I said, I funded this business off of the Midwest Immersive Funds for a while, but even Midwest Immersive Funds, when you start to say no to a lot of clients who are willing to give you money, but then suck up your time, um, those funds deplete. And now we're at a point where we're funding this entire operation off of my credit cards, right? Uh, the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to start fund this off of Facebook's line of credit. So <laughs> funding is a very large challenge. I mean, I'm managing a team of about eight people right now and every single person needs to get paid. And if you don't pay people on time, they get upset, you know? Uh, so it's complex. And it's like, I, there's this one really interesting quote I, that I remember. It's like entrepreneurship is like jumping off a plane and then building a parachute on the way down. And that's very much the stage that we're in as a company. Hell yeah, building the parachute on the way down. Not complaining. This is exactly what I signed up for and I enjoy it. Uh, but it is like a very significant challenge that people don't tend to realize once you're successful, quote unquote, once you've achieved any degree of success, everybody's 
It's like, oh, that's awesome. But like to get to that point, it's been such a large headache. And like every single one of your family members, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever you choose, is going to be breathing down your neck and saying like, hey, what the hell is going on? You right. Know? And staying sort of motivated through <clears throat> that and uh, and staying driven and, and focused on what you're trying to create requires uh, a large amount of control over your inner sort of narrative, like your mind, essentially. So if if all of you want to kind of share how you stay focused. Uh, I'm actually curious to hear Elliot's answer. Yeah, me too. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Um, I'm curious to hear Elliot's answer because he's inter- like, there's been moments where Elliot's like, oh my fucking gosh. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> so I'm curious. <laughs> so Akib's totally right. There have been moments where um, I called Akib to talk to Akib. And I'm like, hey, what, you know, because everybody has their own operation. They have their own kind of thing that's going on. They They run their own mini company right matt runs mark right. like he he's in charge of everything um and all of us are lucky enough to not have to see the big picture it's like it's so big and and hideous that that we don't and, and we you know we are insulated from it and akiv i've told akiv this before on many occasions um but akiv has balls of steel like there's <laughs> in order to, in order to handle that kind of to make the bets on yourself and your team that you have to make in order to be in that position is huge and the upside that comes with making those bets like the only reason anyone would ever allow such an upside to exist is because you're you're risking such a huge downside um for me um you know and that's not to say each of us on our own don't take risks right like if i'm leading the product side the product breaks right in customers hands it's horrible i'm screwed right i'm i'm kind of you know that's that's a risk that i take but the motivation that i have to kind of take those risks comes from my passion for the product and passion for kind of the larger goal that creating such a product would entail like to me i feel like i'm launching my first consumer good like i'm creating mm-hmm. my first consumer good i'm launching my first game console and I'm sure everybody on the team could could say that. Like, Akib would say, I'm launching my first game console. The electrical engineer could say, I'm launching my first game console. And that sense, that that goal that I feel is personal is everyone feels is personal and therefore is a group goal. And it keeps us, it keeps me going. And, and I assume that I'm not the only one. Right. Well, let me ask you, Elliot, what's your background with this? My background? In terms of creating products and um, and just creating stuff. Sure. So I build a lot of on spec work for early stage startups in the Austin area. Um, I also just been a hobbyist my whole life. I kind of got into the field creating portable video game consoles like uh, Nintendo GameCubes and the form factors of Nintendo DSs. I connected. You should talk about this GameCube thing. Sure. Uh, One of my first products was a Nintendo GameCube that you take on the go, you take on the, the L train or wherever you want. And it's it stores, you can just take yeah, it's like a five inch, it has a five inch screen and it's about the form factor of a 3DS XL. And you, it has, you know, all the original GameCube internals. So you can, and, you know, original GameCube controller mounted in the thing and it has batteries and it, uh, I store, I replace the disc drive with like a flash memory and it stores all the GameCube's library on a, on an SD card. You 
upload your game backups on it. How cool is that? Saves. It's really cool. It's cool. It, 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 really, like, really cool. It was also the most random thing I'd ever seen. I was like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really dug but it. But it's like, I, I could never have learned all those skills if I didn't think the final product was going to be totally sick. Um, and so my background for this is that for ages, there have been products that I've thought of that I thought would be totally sick. Um, and then Akub came up and said, hey, you want to help me build this? It's like, how could I possibly say no? Yeah, no, <laughs> that, that sounds really, really fun. Um, it's really interesting. Like, I'm, I'm just, it's just kind of clicking for me right now. The, a lot of the core team is made up of people whose background is in creating their own stuff. So the team is made up of all like people that are close to what you or what you define as an entrepreneur. So the team is so that's very interesting because that means that will scale as as we grow, uh, and um, that's really interesting. And Matt, you know, to add to that, the way I see it, like you know, you guys all work at a startup. Working at a startup is an unusual choice, even though it's your day-to-day -day life, right? Most people, when they go to school or whatever, when they try to get jobs, they're thinking, I want to go and work for this large corporation where I have to do the least amount of work for the biggest paycheck that I could possibly get. And, you know, the fact is working at a startup is the opposite to that experience. So working in a startup draws a very specific type of people in person in itself. Sure, sure. But like Graham has always been making his own games. Ellie's right. been making his own products. All the stuff that I've worked on up until I, I absolutely had to make money or else I had no choice was all like startup ideas. Right. And even when I was trying my hardest just to like make money off of my own individual pursuits. So I think we have like a early team made up of, made up of entrepreneurs, which Makers, is a exactly. entrepreneurial culture. Well, let me ask um, if you guys see any value in following the traditional path you know, temporarily even, um, just to kind of make money, learn some skills? Or do you think uh, if you have the innate sort of desire to create something, then you should just pursue that completely? I'm sure uh, they, Akib and Elliot would agree that it's kind of on a person-to-person -person basis. So I'm curious to hear what they think is like what they value. Yeah, to me, like, I don't, my answer's short. I don't denounce any direction that people are going. I, I just like when people are productive members of society and when people actually apply themselves to any pursuit, whether it's at a large company, whether it's at a small company, as long as you're doing something that is keeping you occupied and is creating value, I think that's important wherever it is. Elliot? Yeah, Akup is a great point. It's, it's really person to person. And um, I think Matt also like, hit on this. It's, you know, depends on your circumstances and also what the startup is and what, what the other opportunities would be. There are plenty of people that it makes a whole lot of sense to make as much money as you can on a paycheck and, and put in the fewest number of hours. But if you have an idea that you're really passionate about and you can't imagine going through your life not pursuing that, then of course, if you have the option, why would you, you know, how could you possibly not? Um, so it's really, you know, if you wanna pursue something smaller, that's what it is. And, and, you know, if you can't live with yourself without doing it, then ultimately, no matter what advice anyone gives you, it's what you're going to end up doing. I guess the one, like, let me give you an anecdote, right? I, when I grew up, my dad worked for this really big, fancy corporation, and my mom had her own small business, right? And my dad's entire role was to go nine to five every single day and just collect a paycheck. And honestly, he hated it, right? 
Whereas my mom, she had a small business. She had to work significantly more. She got paid significantly less, but she loved it a lot more. She was more than willing to hang out with her clients anytime. She made an amazing group of friends. And like at the end of it, the, they're both retired now. I look at their lives and my mom's just had a significantly more rewarding experience over time than my dad is. And he's just like, yeah, cool, chilling, which what he did was extremely valuable for us and it allowed all of us mm -hmm. to do what we're able to do. But at the end of the day, I think that my, what my mom ended up pursuing was like actually a much better use of her entire life. <laughs> you know? Right. What would you say some elements are then that make you think that her life was sort of more fulfilling? Um, uh, you know, like friendships, I guess, was a big part of it. The people, because she had to interact with so many people as a business person every single day. And she had a lot of different clients, right? She was able to develop more deep, meaningful friendships over time because her, she was providing a service. She had a small business, uh, a beauty salon, right? So working with these people, talking to them, it like things get really, really nitty and gritty and you're not meeting the same people every day so when they come to you there's always something new that's happening in their lives and she's interacting with hundreds of people on a day-to-day -day basis just like this right so i think ultimately for me it comes down to the people that you meet and that's why i like really uh, when whenever i'm hiring people or whenever i'm working with anybody i'm like thinking do i want to spend time with this person beyond the office and if that's a no it's like uh cool catch you later <laughs> even if even if they're skilled yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I would even say like with Elliot, Matt, a lot of people on our team, like I'm friends with these people beyond like just the work that we do. Yeah. Again, I appreciate you guys being on. Um, please let the people know where they could find the product and uh, what the social media is and anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So the best way... Um, to find us is using our website playlightpong.com and we're on social media everywhere as just at playlightpong so whether you're on instagram whether you're on tiktok or youtube we're at playlightpong everywhere and if you are listening to this before the 28th or between the 28th of september and 28th of october please consider backing our kickstarter yes please. yes yes <laughs> uh, appreciate you guys thank you for being here thank you for having us